I've always wanted to teach on this, and I told Terry I didn't know if I could fill one day. But it, it's, I've really enjoyed this teaching on God's Sabbath rest. Because as you get into the Word and you start looking at things and not necessarily it's definitely not your own wisdom but he just starts revealing things to you and it gets exciting and as I was sitting there knowing that there's more and more just had a picture of a little kid running through this mansion and you'd open one door and it'd be beautiful you know but there's another door and you run and you open that one there's another door and you run and open that one and it doesn't cease when you're with him you just keep opening doors and it's always beautiful and the thing is so many times we like to sit down and stop running through the doors. We get content being in the outer court instead of going into the Holy of Holies. We find ourselves being content with everybody else around us because there's always a lot of agreement when there's broad spectrum you feel comfortable but who do you want to feel comfortable with see I'm sure the priests weren't comfortable before Jesus' resurrection to go into the holy of holies you know they tied a rope on their foot in case they died in there to drag them out but where would you rather be would you rather be with Joshua standing off in the distance of the tent of meetings or with all the tribes of Israel standing in front of their own tents? Would you rather be with the Father or with the crowd? And I guess that's what I get out of teaching because it just it's just exciting. It's just exciting to see what he has. Now, I don't know how I'm going to unfold this tonight. <laughs> I, think I, want, I think I want to ask, have any of you had girly fights this week? Now, see, the ones that laugh know what I'm talking about. <laughs> see, if, if you don't want to enter God's rest, and believe that he's done everything, you do, you go into girly fights. <laughs> and you fight the world. <laughs> you, you fight the world that way. When you realize that God has already done everything for you. And it's your choice. You can have a girly fight, I'm ringing. You can have a girly fight or you can enter his rest. 
I'll go back over a little bit of what we talked about last week to bring you up to date and to refresh your minds. But God's Sabbath rest. It's a picture of us trusting in God's complete work, grace, and not of ourselves. Last week we went through the Old Testament. Starting off in in Genesis 1. And we looked at Adam, who was in the garden. And in the scripture, when we read the, the verses, when it says Adam was in the garden, when God created Adam, he put him in the garden to work. That's what it says. But if you go into Young's literal translation, it says he put him in the garden to rest. A big difference in our culture today. Adam did not have to add to what God had already finished. Our problem is we try to add to what God has already finished with our girly fights. And, I, and you know, I, I see God chuckling too. Because you're trying to do better than I did. You were trying to complete a little bit extra more than I did. He laughs at man's foolishness. So we have Adam who fell and was taken out of the garden. But in the garden there was this uh, tree, not the one that Adam and Eve ate from, but the tree of life made it kind of clear last week that the tree of life and I can't say I've ever heard this, it's not that it's original with me, but I've just never heard it, that the tree of life was a picture of Jesus he's the tree of life and whoever ate of him in the garden had eternal life and never died never died so God brought, wanted to bring his people out of Egypt and took them out of Egypt as a symbol of sin and, and death and, and within 90 days they are whining and crying and I mean they see miracle after miracle and what do they do they whine and they cry and they don't and it's only been 90 days They'd rather go back and die in Egypt. And God gets upset with them. And even Moses wasn't exempt from his soulish anger by hitting the rock and not speaking to it as the father said. He was disobedient and it caused him from going into the promised land. After about 90, 120 days, they're standing at the border going into the promised land. They send out the, the spies, and all but two of them come back and say, we'll never do this. This will never work. How many times has God put you in a situation you go, this ain't going to work, God. I'm going to have to add to this. I'm going to have to do something. Well, God says, okay, you will all die in the desert. You will never enter into the promised land. 
they were there. How many times in your life have you wanted something and you've asked God for something and, you, and you're right there and you turn and back away? He is more and willing to take you back to Eden. That is where we will live forever. In his rest. So only Joshua and Caleb and everyone under 20 years old entered the promised land. The rest died and never came in. And when Joshua, the Lord gave Joshua instructions to go into the promised land and he said, you will take the ark, the priests will take the ark of the covenant and they will walk and they will put their feet into the Jordan. And this was during harvest time when the river was high and rushing fast and deep. And he says, when they put their feet into the Jordan, it will dry up. And if you will read those verses, it says it backed all the way up to a city called Adam which I don't think is a coincidence. It took him all the way back to Adam, and he took him into the promised land. A shadowing, a shadowing, just a shadowing of his promise of eternity. But he was going to take care of him. And that's pretty much where we left it last week. We didn't touch the New Testament at all. Because, see, there's somebody that comes into the New Testament that was already from the beginning of time, who was already in the garden, who comes onto the scene as the Son of Man. And he tries to teach the people what the Sabbath rest is. And we, in our, in our culture, we have so many different ideas of what the Sabbath rest is. We have so many different, we even have different denominations that say, you know, what you're supposed to do. It's going to get worse. (laughs) It's going to get worse. I know it's going to get worse. That's not the good way. It's going to get better, ladies. But Jesus comes on the scene... And he wants to teach the people what is the Sabbath. Because they have developed so many laws, they have developed so many structures of their of their priestly that they have destroyed and lost the meaning of what is the Sabbath. And we still struggle with it today. Do you worship on Sunday? Do you worship on Saturday? I think you worship every day. Amen. The Sabbath is every day. So, I'm going to really get her if I ask her to read. <laughs> Again, I'm going to go through. Uh, where is Prophet Ed when you need him? Prophet Ed, if you do hear this, I want you to let you know that I am getting your paybacks for you. 
Okay. Now we're going to read the Bible, so now we got to be real quiet and calm. And be holy. Matthew 12. <laughs> watch this, watch this. 1 through 8. Matthew 12, 1 through 8. I don't know how many of these scriptures I have I'm going to go through, but I just want to make a point to you. I think Carol's grabbed it already. (laughs) Matthew 12, 1 through 8. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, he said to them, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read that David did what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and the companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priest. Or haven't you read in the law of the Sabbath that the priests in the temple desecrated desecrated the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Let's go and stay in the same chapter and go to verse 9. Let's pick it up right after that. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, if any of you has a sheep, and it has fallen into the pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath. You know, I, I noticed when I was going through this, if you, if you would look at Jesus' doing healing, he does an awful lot of them on the Sabbath. I think he's trying to make a point. Matthew 24, verse 15. In these, uh, in this uh, chapter, Jesus is talking about the end time. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Ju- Judah flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of his house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be on those days for the pregnant woman and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight not be taken in winter or on the Sabbath. 
Why do you think he'd say that? See, I believe Jesus was a fully man, so he had a line of sarcasm in him. You know on the Sabbath you can't go further than a half a mile? So you're standing in the temple, and the Antichrist comes down, standing in the place, taking over everything and going to destroy the world, and you can only run a half a mile away or you're, you've broken the law. I think he was showing them how foolish some of their laws were. That they did not understand what the Sabbath was. What the rest was. Uh, Mark 1, 21 through 26. And I'm not going to read this. Jesus again takes a person and he heals them on the Sabbath. Mark 2. 27 and 28. Let's go there. Again, he continues to heal people and he keeps doing it on the Sabbath for some reason. I think he's trying to get a point. And these, I'm not repeating the same healing from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm, I'm picking different healings, okay? Now Mark is, this Mark 27 and 28 is, is the same as Matthew 12, 1 through 8. But I want, you to see, I want you to see something here. Mark 2, 27. Then he said to them, after healing this man, or taking the grain and, and healing a man, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. A little more than... He had said before, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. See, they were worshiping the Sabbath. It became an idol to them. And so Jesus, in his great wisdom, kept flicking them in the end of the nose to say, how about this? How about this? Oh, withered hand. Okay, watch this. Oh, woman who has been held down by Satan for years and years. What about this? I'm taking the burden off. Point here. See, in the Garden of Eden, there was no physical illness only life and that's what the celebration of the Sabbath is of the Ten Commandments that we talked about last week the fourth one is on the Sabbath it starts with remember the Sabbath and keep it holy talked last week about what remember meant it means to bring from the past to the future. That is the meaning of that. And I've talked about that before when we take communion, when Jesus says, remember me. Bring the effect of what happened in the past and bring it forward. Remember the Sabbath. In the commandment, how could he say remember something that hadn't taken place? 
How could he? How could he have said remember something if it had never taken place? See, the Sabbath was in the Garden of Eden, where the Tree of Life, where Jesus lived, where you ate of the Tree of Life. Does that sound like something Jesus says a little bit on down in Scripture? This is my body. This is my blood. If you eat, you will never die. They did not understand what the Sabbath was. They did not know who the Sabbath was. They did not know the Lord of the Sabbath. They knew nothing of the purpose. They just knew they had to make rules and everybody had to follow them or they were going to get smoked. Let's turn to Mark 15. See, they, they even held... They even held the Sabbath as such a holy day when Jesus died. They did not bury him. You realize that? They took his body and put it in a grave, but they didn't bury him because the Sabbath. You can't work on the Sabbath. They just wrapped it up and put it in the... They came later to anoint it and do the burial. He was, he's not there. He was gone. He was the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm quite, you know, this is good for me. This is John 5, 8 and 10. See, this, I'm just, I'm just leading up to where we're, we're going to go today. Did I say Mark 13? Oh, I, I, there was no bush. The whole chapter is about the burial of Jesus. I just wanted you to see that they were so stuck in their laws, they wouldn't even bury Jesus. They just took his body and set it aside. Where was I going now? John 5, 8, 10. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can find that. This was the healing that Jesus did at the pool. Where the man was sitting by the pool and Jesus says, do you really want to be healed? See, there's a lot of people don't really want to be healed. They rather live in the outer court with everybody's compassion and caring and touching and, oh, I'm so sorry you're like that. Or collect alms than to be healed. Well, Jesus healed the man. But you notice what he says to him? He says, take up your mat and walk. It was the Sabbath. It was against the law for the man to carry his mat. Now the people have, let's just say the Judaizers, the Pharisees, have been attacking Jesus all the time. Now they start attacking this man for carrying his mat. 
They couldn't care less that this man who's been crippled for all these years is up and walking. They're just mad because he picked up a mat. Do you see why Jesus was so angry? Why he had very little compassion for this. Now this is, this is one point I, I was going to bring up. Because somebody might throw this at you. It's in, it's in the fifth chapter of John. It's in the 16th verse. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. And Jesus said to them, My father is always at work. This very day, I too am working. Does that make sense to you? Remember, God had already done everything. Now, I went back into literal translation, and it says, yeah, God is always working. But his works are deeds of compassion. It's not the completion of anything else. It is his loving kindness to his people. That is the work he was at. Jesus was at. I want to read a little bit of the mirror now. And I was going to read more of this, and I, I, sitting there worshiping, I, I'm going to shorten this a little bit. Still in John 5. And if, I know most of you have a copy of this, but... <clears throat> I really encourage you to read the commentaries that go with these. I know it's not, quote, scripture, but you will be far blessed if you would read this. This is just part of the commentary that he has when Jesus replied, my father is working until now and so am I. So here in chapter 5, now this is his commentary. So here in chapter 5, Jesus sees a different Sabbath to Jewish sentiment. The Sabbath of God points to his perfect work of both revealing and redeeming his image and likeness in human form. Every Sabbath continues to celebrate the perfection of our Father's work until now. So when Jesus seals people on the Sabbath, it is not contradicting it, but endorsing it. Jesus is what the Sabbath is all about. He is the substance of every prophetic shadow. In restoring someone's wholeness, the idea of the original Sabbath is reinforced and not compromised. The original Sabbath was in the Garden of Eden. If somebody listens to this CD and doesn't think that's true, you can contact my attorney. He will deal with you. (laughs) See, the Sabbath, the Sabbath was always there. And when the commandment came to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, it was to remember what the Father had already accomplished and the place he had created man to live. 
See, when you remember something, you bring it from the past and bring it forward. He's saying, remember where the tree of life was. Remember where Jesus was. And Jesus goes on and, and does his, you know, teaching of, you know, about this is my body and if you eat it, you will never die. And I have stuff to eat that you don't know. And in John 6.50, he, he says, I am the bread of heaven. When he's talking about the manna from heaven. And they're going, well, we had Moses and we had manna. And Well, if you remember what we talked about last time, yeah, when they weren't supposed to collect manna on the Sabbath, even some went out and did it. Or tried to find it, but there was none. Jesus says he is the bread of heaven. I'm going to read again from the the mirror. And I hope this is not new to any of you, but I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 4. Now Paul has, has spent time trying to teach the Jewish nation about who Jesus was and how the laws all fit together and worked out and how in error they did so many different things. But this is probably one of the most powerful chapters. And I'm not going to read the commentaries on it. I'm just going to read what Paul said. I, I can't come up anything better than what Paul did. So I'm going to, I'm allowed to plagiarize this. This is Paul. What a foolish thing it would be if we should now fail in a similar fashion to enter his rest where we get to celebrate the full consequences of his redemption. What God has now spoken to us in Jesus confirms that we are equally included in the prophetic message which has proclaimed to our ancestors their unbelief disqualified them from possessing the promise. They could not make the vital connection with the promise while they remained enslaved in their dwarf opinion of themselves. If you remember when they came out the spies, they said, we are like grasshoppers. But if you were created in the image and likeness of God, you are not a grasshopper. Because the word did not mingle with faith, there was no catalyst to ignite its effect in their heart. And so the promise did not promise or did not profit them at all. Faith, not willpower, realizes our immediate access into God's rest. Hear the echo of God's cry through the ages. Oh, if I only if only they would enter my rest. His rest celebrates perfection. His work is complete. The fall of humanity did not flaw its perfection. Think of that. Everything that went wrong did not change what God had already set up from the foundation of the earth. It was still perfect. Scripture records, or Scripture records the seventh day to be the prophetic celebration of God's perfect work. What God saw satisfied his scrutiny. In Psalm 95, the same seventh-day metaphor is reiterated. 
Oh, that they would have entered my rest. It is clear then that there is still an opportunity to enter the rest which Israel failed to access through their unbelief. Even though they were first to hear the good news of God's intention to restore mankind to the same Sabbath that Adam and Israel had lost. So now, again, many years later, he points specifically to an extended opportunity when he announces in David's prophecy, Today, when you hear my voice, do not do so with a calloused heart. Be faith sensitive. If Joshua, who led the generation of Israel out of the wilderness, had succeeded in leading them into the rest that God intended, David would not so many years later have referred to yet another day. So what he's saying there, he says, yeah, Joshua took them into the promised land, but that's not where they were supposed to be. That was a shadow of where they were supposed to be. The conclusion is clear. The original rest is still in place for God's people. God's rest celebrates his finished work. Whoever enters into God's rest immediately abandons his own efforts to complete what God has already perfected. Let us therefore be prompt to understand and fully appreciate that rest and not fall again into the same trap that snared Israel in unbelief. The message God spoke to us in Christ is the most living, most life-giving and dramatic influence in us, cutting like a surgeon's scalpel, sharper than the soldier's sword, piercing to the deepest core of human consciousness, to the dividing of the soul and spirit, ending in the dominance of the self-realm and neutralizing effect upon the human spirit. In this way, man's spirit is free to become the ruling influence again in his thoughts and intentions of the heart. The scrutiny of his word detects every possible disease discerning the body, the body's deepest secrets where joints and marrow meet. The entire person is thoroughly exposed to his scrutiny and gaze. Every creature's original form is on record in the word. In the message of the Incarnation, we have Jesus, the Son of God, representing humanity in the highest place of spiritual authority, that which God has spoken to us in him in his final word. It is echoed now in the declaration of our confession. As high priest, he fully identifies with us in the context of our frail human lives, having subjected to the close scrutiny, he proved that the human frame was master over sin. His sympathy with us is not to be seen as excusing weakness, which is as a result of our faulty design, but a triumph of humanity. For this reason, we can approach the, the authoritative front throne of grace with bold utterance. We are welcome there in his embrace and are reinforced with immediate effect in times of trouble. That is what the rest is. That is what God created in the Garden of Eden. That is what you are to remember. Jesus is the Sabbath rest. He is also the tree of life that was in the Garden. 
you cannot add to God's completed work from the beginning of time. There is nothing you can do but enter into his rest. The picture of us is trusting in God's completed work, grace, and not of ourselves. I'm going to end with this verse. For all the ones who say, no, we have to remember the law, I want you to go to Colossians 2.16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink in regards to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. See, his rest was from the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. And all he's doing is calling us back to where we rest from our works and our striving, our girly fights against the world. And we enter into what he has already planned out for us. You can only do it by faith. You can't do it by reasoning. You have to believe God at his word. And I stress to you, don't get to the edge. Don't go through the wilderness. Don't get to a point where you quit and you turn and you walk away in unbelief. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Enter God's rest. You will find him faithful in everything he has promised. Yea, God, 